You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The British people have had enough of waiting. The time has come to act. People are really angry out there. They're angry that the referendum's not being carried out. But they're even angrier that politicians' promises to them have been broken. Given how huge this decision is for our country, the severe consequences there will be for generations, it is time to put this back to the people and stop this Brexit chaos. We will do everything necessary to stop a disastrous no deal. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik. And a very good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. Well, I went off to Portugal for a little uh, bit of sunshine, came back and a lot has changed, uh, Seb. But the EU Council President Donald Tusk agreeing just today to this Brexit extension of another three months until the 31st of January. Uh, the decision expected to come in writing this week. Yeah, this Brexit flex extension, as we could have expected there. Uh, here's Michel Barnier, the chief Brexit negotiator for the EU. EU. He says this is expected to be formalised within the week. It was a very short and efficient and constructive meeting and I am happy that decision has been taken. Meanwhile, uh, here in London, of course, uh, it's all about Boris Johnson trying to get through the general election uh, that he wants on the 12th of December. It looks unlikely, though, that he'll get the two-thirds majority in Parliament that he needs to win that vote this afternoon. But then there's another option. This mm-hmm. came about over the weekend. The Liberal Democrats and the Scottish National Party working together to try and force this snap poll on the 9th of December rather than the 12th. They're trying to call that date. They think that allows uh, Boris Johnson not to get his deal through, uh, which was their thing behind that. They've broken off with the Labour Party and the so-called Rebel Alliance to put this forward. And this was very quickly battered down by some within the Tory party. But then there seems to be a bit of a U-turn yesterday. And um, it sounds like this could be the plan B. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's put all of this to Bloomberg's Brexit editor, Edward Evans, who's with us in the studio. Who better to uh, go through all the sequencing of yet another couple of packed Brexit days ahead? Talk us through what's going to happen then uh, this afternoon in terms of the vote and then this uh, Liberal Democrat SNP vote or or bill, potentially. Okay. Uh, well, we'll go to a vote about five o'clock this afternoon on uh, the election. Now, this is what the first way the government can call Mm. an election, which is under the Fixed Term Parliaments Act, and that requires uh, the two-thirds majority. So 434 MPs have to vote in favour of that for it to happen. 
And it doesn't look like he's got the numbers. Labour has very clearly said they don't want to have an election. So then you go to plan B. Now, when that is, is a little less clear. It doesn't look like it'll be today. It's not on the order paper for today. But at some point, the Liberal Democrats and the SNP have said they will put forward this bill to have a, a one-line bill that notwithstanding the terms of the Fixed Terms Parliament Act, there will be an election on the 9th of December. Now, that only requires a simple majority to pass. It would be much simpler to get through. Actually, if you had Tory support, it would almost certainly go through. Now, it's pretty, pretty clear why the SNP are doing this. They want to get an election out of the way before we get Alex Salmon facing his allegations and all of that. Why are the Lib Dems doing this? That's a really good question. I think for them, they want to go into an election with Brexit unresolved. It allows them to fight the election basically as another referendum. They've taken a very uh, anti-Brexit stance in very colourful terms. Uh, and if Bre as long as Brexit is unresolved, they can still talk about that. If they went into an election with Brexit with Johnson having delivered Brexit, it's much harder for them for that to take that stance and for it to get any traction. The other thing that must be said, it's very important about the timing of this. Uh, those uh, those few, uh, having it on the 9th rather than the 12th, of course, gets it into university term, which is uh, one of the reasons why we, uh, Theresa May thought she um, did so badly in the 2017 election, was uh -huh. that that election was held during term time and students didn't vote don't vote Tory traditionally. Right. Um, so by having it a few days earlier, they and on their terms, it's much more advantageous for Joe Swinson and the Liberal Democrats. Well, I think this is an apt moment, isn't it, to bring in our guest at this hour uh, whilst uh, Ed Evans stays with us. Uh, we're also joined by Weira Hobhouse, who is a Liberal Democrat MP and very pleased to have you on the line, Weira. Um, look, were you still back then an election after this EU flextension, the, the three-month extension that we're expected to get today? Well, we are very pleased that the EU has actually offered the extension up to the 31st of January. And as has just been said, um, we want the people to have a decision, at least in a general election, whether they want to take this Brexit election, uh, direction of the government, yes or no. Our favourite outcome has always been a people's vote, but we cannot get the numbers in, in this current parliament. So it is now really coming to the point where only a general election can resolve the issue. Um, but it is with regret. My, my, my favourite outcome would have always been a people's vote. Um, but it is because we do not get the numbers from the Labour Party and they've been very dithering and we've been waiting like waiting for Godot on a, a decision to come firmly behind a people's vote. So how do you but see things changing after an election then? Where do those numbers for a people's vote come from? Well, the, the, the thing is, of course, we are going into an election to say we are the party of Remain. And people who believe that our best place is in the European Union should vote for us um, and see what the outcome of that election is. We, um, we say we've got a much better offer as a prime minister in Joe Swinson than, than, than Boris Johnson or Jeremy Corbyn. She is becoming more and more attractive and we are hoping to gain as many seats as possible. But, but is this an acknowledgement that a people's vote is just dead in the water right now? Well, it is not, um, not dead in the water. We can still push for it. We have indeed. We've tabled an amendment to the Queen's speech. Um, but as you say, uh, you haven't got the numbers uh, to do it. Well, uh, you know, things change all the time. We now hear the DUP is possibly in favour of a people's vote. Well, let them come forward and firmly um, um, uh, support that. It has to be said, we've got until the 31st of January. And as I understand, um, the, uh, the European Union is not going to extend forever and ever. To organise a people's vote, 
which has always been said um, to us for a long time, is it takes time to organize it. So we are running out of time. And, and obviously, um, the, the, the Tory government has deliberately put us to this cliff edge and c- keeps doing that to us. So we cannot actually organize something like a people. So is your implication well. then that you need a majority here? Because that, frankly, is pie in the sky, right? We, we need to win as many seats as possible. Well, I mean, I know that the ambition, even from your own leader, is for 100, and that, that's not even, that's nowhere near half. Well, what happens if we have a hung parliament, and that is a possible outcome, and then everything starts again? C- can I just ask, is the, the, the People's Vote campaign, I mean, there have been reports today about a fairly serious infighting within that organisation. Is that fit for purpose to deliver a People's Vote, do you think? Well, we were the people who um, asked for a people's vote. Indeed, it was in our manifesto in 2017. I became an MP in 2017, and one of my first speeches was, the people must finish what the people... I appreciate your role in this, but this organisation has been... is there to campaign for it. Is it fit to to achieve that goal? I I don't want to um, do down the people's vote campaign. They have delivered a great deal. They brought um, millions of people... hundreds of thousands of people onto the streets of London. And they obviously understand um, that it needs more than the Liberal Democrats to support a people's vote, which is why for such a long time um, they've tried to get the Labour Party on board. But with a leader like Jeremy Corbyn, who is so difficult about the people's vote and, 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 and just says this one thing and then goes back again, it's just the leadership of the Labour Party that really makes it very difficult for the, for the Labour Party as a whole to support a people's vote 100%. But surely, I guess, the Liberal Democrats and the SNP sort of breaking away from this so-called rebel alliance actually weakens, um, you know, from, from one perspective, the front against uh, the, the, the Conservatives and the Tory party. I mean, you're, you're breaking up the, the, the kind of what has been a fairly unified opposition. Well, hang on. Um, the people who have really broken up um, the, the alliance, it's the 19 Labour par- uh, Party MPs who've actually voted for Boris Johnson's deal, although the Labour Party keeps telling us this is a terrible deal. So why do 19 Labour MPs vote for, for Boris Johnson's deal? Those are the guys who have actually broken up the alliance. Without, without them, Boris Johnson wouldn't have got his deal over the line. Let's remember that. Let's remember that. Is this not incredibly risky, though, to go for an election? Sure, the Lib Dems might do all right, but Labour lagging in the polls, the Tories looking pretty strong. I know it would be foolish to to, um, estimate how this might turn out, but Boris Johnson is looking pretty good here. Politics is a high-stakes game. It always is. Um, And the people have to to be given a choice, and that is what we are doing as Liberal Democrats. Politics is always risky. My politics has, as I have done it um, sometimes at local level and now at national level, fortune favors the brave. The people who bottle will not get the support of the people. People will see that this is a difficult situation. We have a very clear offer. We want to stay in the European Union. We believe um, Great Britain is best at the heart of the European Union. With that offer, we go into the general election and we hope that as many people as possible will vote for this. But if Boris Johnson wins this election then you've helped him get there. He gets through Brexit and it's the Liberal Democrats who have enabled that. But, but, but of course, if we don't go for a general election, um, the only other option is to get Boris Johnson's deal through. So this is now the moment where we, we only have two choices, either a general election where at least the people have a chance to make their voices heard and vote, or a Boris Johnson deal that is going to be pushed through Parliament in the next three months.
Mm. Uh, do you think, though, that uh, the electorate is really going to be voting on that issue alone, on Brexit alone? Is that what voters are really going to vote for in the general election? Well, um, hopefully people um, look at the wider offer of a party. So one of our second main issues is um, the climate change and the climate emergency. We have a credible, coherent, decisive plan of how to get uh, to um, take cut most emissions by 2030 um, and cut all emissions by 2045. So we've got a very clear message on the climate emergency. We've got a very clear message um, on, on, uh, on, on child care, on universal credit, all sorts of things where we are putting forward a very good offer to the people apart from Brexit. But yes, of course, Brexit will be one of the, uh, the, the main uh, issues that uh, people will be voting on. But the Liberal Democrats have never been just a one a one-trick pony. We are very, very strong on the climate emergency. We are putting a very good offer on the table for people to vote for us on that. We have always been um, the party who, yeah. who um, has been the strongest on local government and how to fix local government. We yeah. understand the housing crisis can only be resolved if you We're... have a lot more social housing. We've got a great offer on the table and, and, and Joe Swinson, as our leader, is a great alternative to either Boris Johnson or Jeremy Corbyn. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You are listening to Bloomberg Westminster. A very good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Sebastian Salek. In just a minute, we'll get back to Edward Evans, Bloomberg's Brexit editor. And we've also got Adam Blenford, the uh, editor of the Bloomberg Brexit Bulletin newsletter. But in the meantime, let's have a look at these newspapers. Caroline, you've got this poll. Yeah, indeed. So uh, the Mirror actually uh, had this and a number of the other newspapers have picked it up. But basically, almost half of people, uh, according to this survey, think that Boris Johnson is lying about protecting the NHS in a trade deal with the United States. this is a servation. They found that 45% of people did not believe the PM was being honest when he said that the NHS is not on the table. Uh, so look, it was a pro-nationalisation group called We Own It that commissioned the research. It says that it shows the public are firmly against any health service sell-off. And of course, you know, this is what is meant to be coming post the Brexit transition deal is more trade deals with the rest of the world and the US meant to be at the front of the queue. And this is crucial as well in an election because this is one of the key battlefronts. Of course, Labour seen as generally uh, s- supporting the NHS, being the ones who uh, who will put the money there. The Tories clearly taking them on on that platform, yep. but it doesn't seem to be washing with the public. I've got this great piece in the Times. Brexit quandary has energised our politics. This is a view that I've expressed on the podcast before and on the radio programme before. Uh, he says the collapse of the government's majority means that members of parliament are where they should be at the heart of decision making. <laughs> Nobody takes them for granted. Not Downing Street, not whips, not faction chiefs. 
And MPs are weighing considerations from the high, what's best for the country, to the practical, what's actually going to work, and the self-interested, their own political careers. So what we're seeing here really is parliamentary sovereignty doing its thing. MPs are the ones responding to the government, pushing back. Mm. And we've seen a lot of that listening, thinking, deciding, changing their minds even. God, can you imagine that in, in Parliament? Everything to play for then in the next election when we have this okay. new breed of MP. OK, that's interesting and possibly very optimistic, but nice to have that uh, from the Times. Meanwhile, the Guardian newspaper piece um, uh, caught my attention. This is uh, the long Brexit ordeal basically will finish off the breakup of Britain. So this is uh, Neil Asherton, uh, who is talking about um, not only uh, lies in British politics sort of taking hold, but also that um, that this could mean basically the, the breakup of uh, or, you know, after three years of wrangling over, over Brexit, that we could actually see the breakup of the union. I mean, that seems to be the next kind of concern and battlefront. Obviously, we've had the whole debate with the DUP and their role in supporting uh, the May government and the Johnson government too. But I think this this piece was quite uh, quite fascinating. Yeah, and it hit on something that the union for the Tories, it says, is a symbolic thing. It's not really Scotland, Ireland and Wales. It yeah. is just this idea of presiding over something greater, the United Kingdom. Um, I want to bring in our two uh, Bloomberg contributors on this. We've got Edward Evans, our Brexit editor, and Adam Blenford, uh, the editor of the Brexit Bulletin. Edward has Brexit broken these bonds then? Are we heading towards a bigger crash here than just Brexit? I don't know about that, but what it has done is exposed some growing tensions over time. I mean, remember, Brexit is very much an English nationalist movement. Scotland, remember, voted overwhelmingly to stay in um, the EU, unlike England. So um, this it has it, won't, it, it may it may have just exposed that over time. And what you're seeing now, uh, particularly in the Conservative Party, and this is notionally the Conservative and Unionist Party, but the second part of that title really has been a name only for for very very long time. You have to go. Back Back for 50 years before we get the last Scottish Tory MP. Um, you know, this is a party that has essentially um, d- reached a Brexit deal with with Brussels at the expense of selling the DUP in Ireland the, the, down the river. Uh, it's a party now where it's going to be a very, in a very tight spot in Scotland, uh, defending the seats that it has up there. And you know, some of the opposition to the the election has obviously come from Scots in in, in Scotland. And notice also the division. Uh, Ruth Davidson, the former Tory leader, mm. who I think oversaw, especially oversaw a complete turnaround in the Tory party's fortunes north of the border, mm. uh, resigning, giving that up as essentially. And that, that really was a sign that you can see there's a split now uh, between the Tories, the north of the border and, and south of the border. Yeah, uh, I think that's interesting. I mean, Wales, of course, um, are not not the same, did not have the same sentiment um, as, as Scotland in the referendum. Um, Adam, what do you make of this? But do you think this is more Westminster, the, the same old problem of Westminster and the southeast of England versus all the other regions? It certainly does appear that that's an, that's an element of it. There's also there's also to be taken into account that sort of polarisation that's that's mm. going on. You know, the, the the electoral system that will be tested again if an election is called, um, obviously does allow for the Conservatives generally to win a majority in the British Parliament by just dominating the vote across England, across the shires mm. and, and across the counties. Um, they they do they they can do very well there. They they. They already don't have a you know a foothold a huge foothold in Scotland with the rise of the SNP over the past decade and you know that that so that the national the national issue is, is one thing but the 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 seam that Brexit has kind of opened up between both 
the nations of the United Kingdom and also between um, the, the polarized viewpoints of pro and anti-Brexit uh, and, and forcing those fissures that Ed was talking about around, around unionism, you know, that's that's come out in polling. You know, conservative supporters, Brexit backers have, have, have consistently come out in recent months saying that they would be happy to um, see Scotland leave the union uh, as a price for Brexit being uh, Brexit being so succeeding. Uh, and I, I'm amazed that that is not more shocking to people in a way that we've it moved really so was quite far striking, in, wasn't it? in the political debate. And it feels like people are a long way away from from Scotland. You've got people in the south of England, and that's what this piece in the Guardian alluded to. Don't really care what happens north of the border. It's, there's not that symbolic value to them. Edward, jump well, in. Well, this is something I think you've got to go back to 1997, where the Tories were wiped out in Scotland mm. and basically wiped out in Wales. And I think that's really the moment where you see a change from what was once a party that was across the United Kingdom becomes a very much smaller, very much more English force as part of that. Um, I think you've got to be slightly careful about saying that it's, you know, it has always been the, the Scottish, uh, the Conservative and Unionist Party. Um, I mean, this is a, you know, this is fundamentally an English party. Uh, many in Northern Ireland will look at the, and ask which party imposed direct rule in 1972, mm. and it was the Conservative Party that did that. So there's, it's more of an emotional pull, I think, than anything else political now and that's what you've seen in, in Brexit I mean these none of these uh, none of the cabinet really are, are brought up in that school of conservatism with that kind of background that you had even sort of 20 years ago in, in, in Thatcher's time. So do you think it's fair to say that the Brexit was a vehicle for underlying issues that already existed rather than creating them anew? Absolutely I think it was a symptom of that I think what what, what came through in Brexit was you, know, you had a mix of unhappiness with austerity unhappiness with London as a political centre and, and it came through in that vote it became the lightning rod mm. Adam what do you make um, then obviously editing the Brexit bulletin of the the agreement now to another extension three months uh, <laughs> Basically, no, supposedly no negotiation is going to go on in, in this three month period. But then the EU sort of said that last time round too. Do we believe that that is the EU position firmly this time or no? Well, there's a couple of differences this time. I mean, the, 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 the most recent extension, which we're coming to the end of, happened over a long kind of peaceful summer period mm. um, with a change of prime minister that sort of opened up the door for a, for a bit of, as we could see, renegotiation or at least uh, some tweaks to the deal. Um, this one covers a Christmas period in the middle of winter. It's half the length. So the, the prospects for the EU actually opening the books again are much smaller uh, on a practical level, as of much course. as them wanting to stick with what they, they say potentially quite reasonably from their perspective is they've done this already and this is the final offer. But if we do get an election and we get a new government and they start uh, going back and trying to pass a deal, they don't have long to do that because by the time we get through Christmas, that clock is ticking down to the end of January. I think, it, I mean, Ed, Ed might have a view as well, but they they will always respect the desires of the British government, um, which is exactly what they said when Boris Johnson came in, that, um, that they, they would give him a chance. So discussions will always take place. Um, as to how they'd react if there was a big change. Uh, but the current polling doesn't put the uh, makeup of the next parliament being vastly different than the one we have now. So let's see where we end up. Uh, Ed, what do you think? Hung parliament? I mean, you know, nobody's betting on the outcome of this general election. But as Seb says, it's also going to be very, very tight to get the general election done, you know, at the beginning of December, midwinter, right before Christmas, and then get the deal over the line 
by the 31st of January. It's, it's, it's just weeks, isn't it? It is just weeks. I think it's very, you can't predict this election. It's too, as I said on Friday on this programme, <laughs> you know, there are far too many variables sure. um, going into it, the timing and the, the, the rest of it. I think what it means, if Johnson gets a majority, uh, which is no, not a given, I mean, he is 10 points ahead, I think, of Labour on average in the polls, but you know, how do those actually translate into uh, share Seats, of constituencies? Yeah. You know, what happens during the campaign? We just don't know. Um, but when, you know, if there's an election in early December, you know, you then get a, a matter of weeks to put a deal through, and that deal will, look, will be Johnson's deal again. Um, if it's a hung parliament, then all bets are off. We're into another extension and po- very likely a second referendum. Adam, I'm fascinated by Macron. I mention him all the time because this is the third time now where he's given it large. He's tried to go for this shorter extension and he's not got it. What's going on? Well, he's certainly influencing the tone of the debate. And he's 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 yes, he, he is trying that. But, and, and, and in a way, you know, we, we had a piece uh, by our correspondent Ian Wishart last week that sort of uh, put Johnson and Macron together with suggesting that you know in a way that their their aims are in the same they both want to get brexit done yeah it was how he phrased it and and um so macron has 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 put this point of view across and he's 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 almost certainly bringing the debate towards a place where you know if nothing else changes why would they continue to extend that's that's the sort of tone that he's injecting into that debate and um it's also true that he has he has domestic pressures at home and uh he was elected on a basis of sort of uh, of of pushing forward with eu integration so he he wants he wants to keep that end of his bargain up as well Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of the kind of good cop, bad cop being played by various people within the EU. Uh, Very interesting. Look, I just note that for traders, all of this is incredibly difficult. I mean, sterling last week lost uh, just over 1% against the US dollar. We had three weeks of rallies up by more than 5% for sterling. And now it's just anybody's guess for the next few days. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.